Welcome to the season of Lent. Now, in case you've never heard of this word Lent or even know what I'm talking about, Lent is an important time in the life of the church through which we confront our slavery to sin and death, and we intentionally journey through a process of self-examination and moral reformation. It's a season through which we not only prepare our hearts to celebrate Easter, we acknowledge our sinful nature and we intentionally invite Jesus to move in our lives so that we can begin to overcome sin and any temptations that we may experience. Which is why, considering that that's what Lent is about, it's no surprise that the universal church begins Lent by looking at Jesus' journey through the wilderness as he is tempted by the devil for 40 days. Listen to this text from Luke uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, to protect you, and on their heads they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, throughout his journey, throughout the wilderness, Jesus is continuously tempted by the devil. And we get this sense that the devil is trying to get Jesus to trip up, to sin, to really trust his own ability uh, rather than trusting God's ability. And in so doing, the devil hopes to make Jesus believe that he is somehow better, maybe even more reliable than God. And he does this by turning good things, right? Things that were meant to give Jesus life. He, the, the devil turns these things, these good things, into good things gone wrong. And uh, because of that, we, we, we end up believing when, when good things go wrong in our lives, we end up believing that um, these things will actually fill a bottomless void in our lives, that these things will somehow fill some, something that we're trying to, to fill within our own lives. See, in this story, the devil is adamantly trying to tap into deeply rooted patterns that are found in the character of all people, every single one of us. And in this story, the devil tries to tap into these deeply rooted patterns that tell us that God can never fill the longing of our hearts, and therefore we need to take matters into our own hands. All of us humans have that, and I think the devil was trying to tap into that in Jesus. Now, these deeply rooted patterns that I'm talking about, they're known as vices, and they're extremely dangerous. At its core, a vice is defined as immoral or wicked behavior. But I want to take this a step further. When something becomes a vice, I believe that this immoral behavior begins to become a natural part of who we are without even realizing it. And it's usually in a negative way. See, vices distort reality. 
Vices take something that was created for good, and it rewires our brain into thinking that we not only need more of this thing, but it also makes us believe, uh, and it makes us believe that uh, we need more of this in order to have a happy life, and that like we just our whole lives revolve around this vice. And like I said, the worst part about it is that most of the time we don't even realize that these things are starting to take control of our lives. And that's exactly what the devil is trying to do to Jesus in this text. This year, as we journey through Lent, our goal is to name some of these vices and to explore ways in which we can overcome our dependence on them and instead use them for good so that we can experience the abundant life God created us to experience. And today, as we begin this season of Lent, we will begin by talking about the vice of greed. Now, for the purposes of our conversation today, we will define greed as an excessive love, desire, or attachment to money. Now, notice something really important I said. I did not say that having money is a vice. I said that having an excessive love, desire, or attachment to it, to money, right, makes it become a vice. You see, greed is a perverted desire of our money. For starters, greed tells us that things like our happiness are dependent on how much money we have. And when this happens, we spiral into an unhealthy pattern of making as much money as possible at whatever cost necessary, trying to buy happiness so that we may never experience things like sadness or sorrow. But the reality is that we will never have enough money to buy the kind of happiness that we are seeking after. And the reality is that you just can't buy that type of happiness, even if you have all the money in the world. Greed also creates an attachment in us towards money. One that makes us scared to run out of it. One that tells us that if we don't hold on to it, we, we might be in a place where we, we uh, have no money at all. And then that we, we start running through all these um, negative possibilities from that. And, and in so doing, we, we begin to hold on to money as tight as possible. We begin to not share it with anybody or the world, and, and we just hold on to it for ourselves. And when we fall for this lie, greed robs us of the ability of our ability to be generous with our money. See, greed robs us of an opportunity to help make a financial difference in this world because it tells us that we don't have enough, so how can we share it with others? See, money isn't the problem. It's the love of money that's bad. It's the love of money that's the problem. And the reason it's bad is that money was created to help us serve our human needs in this world, right? We need money in this world. That's the reality. And it was meant to help us live life. But when we begin, when we begin to live in greed, we begin to revolve our whole lives around feeling an endless desire for more and more and more money. And that desire will lead us to sacrifice so many important aspects of our lives. It'll lead us to sacrifice our, our, our home lives, our families, our ethics, and so much. And it's not just me that's saying this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now, think about this text through the lens of a tree for a second, since Paul calls it the root of all evil. For Paul, if the tree represents evil, then its roots, the very thing that makes evil stand tall and strong, the roots is the love of money. 
See, Paul was convinced that falling into the trap of greed is the root of so many other evils in our lives, including wandering away from our faith and inflicting both emotional and sometimes even physical pain on ourselves. And because of that, Paul calls us to leave this vice behind. But the question is, how? How do we overcome the vice of greed? So I think that there are three ways that Scripture gives us that are helpful in overcoming greed in our lives. The first is to create a budget. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to want. In other words, when we plan diligently, when we make budgets, our budgets can lead to an abundance. But without a budget, we begin to spend hastily. And in so doing, we end up spending more than we can even afford, which is why I believe that budgets are the most important thing when it comes to dealing with our finances. So if you struggle with greed, my first thing I would tell you is make a budget. See, when you create and use, it's not just about creating, when you use a budget, you begin to understand that your finances, you begin to understand your finances better, and you begin to look at your spending differently, which in turn changes the way you view money and ultimately releases you of the bondage that money has over your life. Now, if you've never used a budget, it's mostly simple. You have to do three things. First, you have to calculate your monthly income, right? You want to know exactly how much money you're going to bring in this month. Then you calculate your monthly expenses, all of your expenses, the ones that you know about and the ones you expect to make. This includes things like uh, buying clothes, groceries, bills, dining out, and even how much you're going to give and, and how much you're going to put in savings. Now, once you have those two, your income and your expenses budgeted, the third step is to stick to your allotted budget, right? Don't overspend, uh, particularly don't overspend each line item, but overall just don't overspend in general, right? And it sounds complicated, but trust me, it's worth it. And the more you do it, the, the easier it becomes and it changes everything. Now, if you want to learn more about creating budgets, I want to offer you two resources. First, in November of 2021, we put together a sermon cast series called The Theology of Budgets. It's a three-part series that looks at a biblical understanding of budgets and how to create one. So uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those. They're, they're, I think they're really helpful and practical. The second resource I want to offer you is a more hands-on. Every year, Mid-City Church offers a class on financial freedom. And our first year, our class got rid of about $20,000 in debt by learning how to use budgets and be smarter about money. Now, if you're interested in participating in one of these classes, I want to invite you to reach out to us at info at midcity.church. We'll get you plugged into our next class, and I know that it will be transforming for you as it was for that, that first group. So the first solution to dealing with greed is creating a budget. The second solution is a little bit more simple, at least I think. It's practicing Sabbath from consumerism. Now, emotionally, this one might be a little difficult, but I want to challenge you to at least start small. So at its core, Sabbath from consumerism means that for a designated time, let's say about a month, you refrain or abstain from going shopping for the sake of dealing with your emotions. Now, let me unpack this a little bit more. You will obviously have to go shopping for stuff like groceries, and you might find that you're exercising more and you really need new shoes, right? All that stuff is okay. Sabbath from consumerism doesn't mean you don't shop at all. It means that you don't go shopping because you had a bad day and you hope that shopping will make your day better. 
Or in my case, that you're not going to order Chinese food because you had a horrible day. And then the next day, order Chinese food again because you had a great day, right? It, it means that uh, we, we, we abstain from shopping for the sake of uh, dealing with our emotions. Now, the more you do this, the more you begin to realize that true comfort and joy that, that we seek from these things, that true comfort and joy comes from God and, and not the things that money can buy. And I've got to tell you, I, I, doing this really does change a lot in our lives. And so I want to encourage you for the next month or so, three to four weeks, spend some time abstaining from, from shopping for the sake of dealing with your emotions, right? So if you're having a bad day, don't go shopping to make it better. Don't go spend money for the sake of feeling better. If you are having a great day, don't let your response, your, your automatic response be, let's go spend money. Find a way to, to instead turn to God and say, God, thank you for this, or God, help me through this. And I, and I think in doing that and abstaining from consumerism and practicing Sabbath from consumerism, I think a lot will begin to change in our lives. So the third solution to greed is uh, giving to a God movement. See, if money has the power to control our lives, there is nothing more freeing than to give it away. Because in so doing, we take back the power that money has over our lives. See, the act of giving away reminds us that we're in control and we get to do with money whatever we want and not the other way around, which is why giving is so important. But I want to add a caveat here. Notice that I said giving to a God movement. See, sometimes we give our money away, and pretty generously at times, but we give it away uh, trying to hold power over people or institutions, hoping to get something back in return. But giving to a God movement is the complete opposite. It's about releasing our money and our finances to a God movement and trusting that it will be used to grow the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. No strings attached, no benefits included. See, just you choosing to, to partner in mission through your financial gifts can make a, a huge difference. And this small act of trust is the one thing that gives you ultimate power over greed. Because there is no greater flex in life than to take something that is trying to control your life and to give it away to a movement that is working towards eliminating that very bondage. Friends, if you struggle with greed, we have to create a budget we have to practice Sabbath from consumerism, and we have to give to a God movement. Now, let me add one more thing. I know that I'm biased, but if you're looking for a God movement to give to, I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider giving to the God movement happening here at Mid-City Church. We believe that God has called this community not only to help grow uh, people in their faith, but also to help our communities better reflect the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven every single day. And we do this through small groups and worship, but we also do this through missions and community partnerships. And so I want to encourage you, if you're looking for a God movement to give to, you can give to the God movement happening here at Mid-City Church by uh, visiting www.midcity.church give or texting the word give to the number 225-307-0662. Friends, greed is out to get us. And if we're not careful, this vice will overcome us and rob us of the abundant life God created us to experience. And so if you're struggling with greed, there is hope. Create a budget, practice Sabbath from consumerism, and give to a God movement. Release yourself from the bondage that greed has over your life. And in doing so, I promise, you will release yourself not only from the bondage of money, 
but from so many other things. May it be so. Amen. I hope you found this sermon to be meaningful and relevant to your life. If you'd like to dive deeper, I invite you to visit midcity.church slash sermoncast and click on the current sermon series. There you can find a home sheet for this sermon that includes the scriptures that we talked about, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge to live out this week. While you're on the website, if you'd like to make a financial contribution to our ministry here at Mid-City Church, you can click the Give button in the top right corner. If you're new to the sermon cast, I invite you to text the word HERE, H-E-R-E, to the phone number 225-307-0662 and fill out a Connect card so that we can get to know you. I'm so glad you joined us today, and I look forward to seeing you next week.